Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Hey everybody, my name is Jake McGrew and I am the lead pastor at Hope City Church along with my wife Jen. Some of you may know her as Jenny and you may work with her, but I know her as Jen and I've known her since I was 10 years old, so a long time ago. If you see me around, you can ask me our whole story, how we met. I have a great pickup line because we're married now and we have been for a long time. But uh, if you see me, come ask me what my pickup line was because it worked and you may wanna know some tips and tricks. Anyways, I'm super pumped to be here with you today, looking at the Word of God, talking and thinking about Jesus and about being believers in the 21st century. So I'm gonna read our passage in 1 Peter, and then I'm gonna pray and we'll jump into the Word together. So, before I start reading, I encourage you to, I'm sure the scripture will be on the screen, but I encourage you to open up your phone or your iPad or your computer or even Maybe some of you have one of these things. It's called the Bible and it has pages in it. Grab your Bible, open it up. And I say that because it's important to participate in the Word of God. It's important to participate in in church and in service. Don't just spectate. You know, you're at university, you're at school. Don't just, you, you go to your classes and you participate in your classes. Some of you open your laptops up and you type little notes while your teacher's talking. Or if you're old school, you have pen and paper. If you don't know what that is, you can ask Jen. She'll tell you what pen and paper is. And write down notes, but you participate. But don't be any different when it comes to church. Grab something to participate in the service with, and let's read the word together. Today we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8 and go all the way to the end of the chapter. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. It says this, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. The scriptures say this, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Verse 13 says, Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? What a great question, isn't it? But even if you suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as, the, as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people ask you, Um, people speak against you, I'm sorry, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if it is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Thank Jesus for it. 
He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And the water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and this time to come together, to be in your presence, to hear your word, and to learn more about you. Father, I ask right now, in the next few moments that we have together, that you speak through me, that hearts are open, that ears are open, and eyes are open to receive truth and life and wholeness. Father, I thank you that you are bringing revival and doing a work that only you can do. Jesus, we love you and we're so thankful. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. That's where I paused so that you could say amen as well. Remember, we're participating. We're not just spectating. So you get to participate this morning. If you want to, you can hoot and holler. Don't pull your phone out and text and disengage, but you can hoot and holler and you can cheer me on. I can hear you cheering me on. Okay, let's back up. I want to look at the first four or five verses. That's what I want to focus on in this passage of Scripture. There's a lot taking place here. There's a lot going on in this passage of Scripture. But I want to focus on the first mm, four or five verses with you this morning. So verse 8 starts off with the word finally. And it's a weird place to start. But we want to keep the Word of God in context. Remember... When you're reading the Bible, it's important that you always keep everything in context, that you're paying attention to what's going on. I, I'm sure you know this. You're all university students, and you're smart, and you probably know this, and I don't need to remind you, but when the Bible was written, it wasn't written. Peter didn't sit down and say, okay, I'm going to call this one chapter 2, and this is verse 1, and this is verse 2, and I'm going to pause here, and here's a new thought. I'm going to title this new thought. No, he just wrote it, and there was no punctuation. There was no marks. It was just letter after letter after letter, and it wasn't until much later when people came along and they died dissected the Bible and said, we're going to put pauses here. We're going to group these thoughts together. So we're jumping in here. And in verse 8, it says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Well, why is, why is he saying finally? What's he talking about? Well, he's concluding a thought that started actually in chapter, in chapter 2. And um, he's talking about a lifestyle. And as I was thinking about this morning, and as I was thinking and praying for all of you, I was reminded of this Thought. And it's actually right here in the previous chapter. So if you would, just back up for a second so we can set a foundation to talk about these verses in chapter 3. But in chapter 2, Peter's talking, and he's talking about living a Christian lifestyle. And in verse 9 of chapter 2, he says, You're not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's own, very own possession. And as a result... As a result of you being a royal priest, as a result of you being a holy nation, as a result of you being God's very own possession, you can now show others the goodness of God because it says, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You know, what 
What Peter begins to talk about here in chapter 2 and chapter 3 is about living a Christian lifestyle, about walking as a believer, about living a lifestyle that gives God glory. And so he begins, after he makes this statement that we just read about you being God's possession, about you being a holy nation, about you being set apart so that you can show people the goodness of God because he brought you from darkness into, come on, Jesus paid a price that brought you from darkness to light, and you're called to live a lifestyle that everybody who sees you can see what's happening, what the, the work that Jesus has done. And so he begins to go on and talk to these people. And in verse number 18, he begins talking specifically to slaves. Now, we don't really have slaves today. We do have slaves, and we're fighting against that. But back then, slaves were very common. They were servants. People worked in the houses. It was their job. And he begins to talk to these servants and slaves and says, hey, listen, I want to talk to you servants and slaves for a minute. If you're a servant and a slave, this is how you should live your life. This is how you should do your job. This is how you should obey your masters. Then he goes on to the beginning of chapter 3 and says, wives, I want to talk to you for a few minutes. This is how you should live your life as a wife. This is what your life should look like. Then he goes on and he talks to husbands. He says, husbands. This is how you should love your wife. And this is, you should treat your wife. Guys, you need to pay attention to this verse right here because he ends it off talking to, to husbands and from one man to another man. I want to say this to you. Look at this verse right here in verse seven, of the, the second half of verse seven. He sa it says, your wife, he's talking about how you treat your wives. This is a side note, guys. This is a side note. Women, you can thank me later. Guys, this is just for you. This wasn't even in my notes. Guys, this is for you. It says, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, wait for it, so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, gentlemen, Listen to me. You've got to treat your ladies right. You've got to treat your wife right. It says right here, if you don't, because she's your equal partner, when you get married, the two of you in God's eyes become one. And that's a whole other subject for a whole other day. But you become one in God's eyes. And it says that you've got to treat her right so that your prayers are not hindered. So he's talking to slaves. He's talking to women. He's talking, or wives, I'm sorry. He's talking to husbands. And then in verse 8, we get to the place where he says, finally, I've talked to these people, I've talked to these people, I've talked to these people. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Everybody I've just talked to, we should all be of one mind. And what is that one mind? That's a great statement. But what is that one mind that he's talking about that we should have? Well, it goes back to what he was saying in chapter 2, verse 9, that you are a chosen people, royal priest, holy nation, God's very own possession, so that you can show others the goodness of God. So our one mind, he's talking about how we deal in life with other people. Guys, can't people be the biggest pain in the butt? Oh my gosh, let's be real. Like, come on. People can be terrible sometimes. Think just, I know, the second I said that, I know that you are instantly thinking of situations in your life where you're dealing with people and you're like, yeah, there's people that are pain in the butt, and there's a person that's a pain in my butt right now that you're thinking about. But Peter is talking to us, and he's talking about how we should, as believers of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, how we should deal and interact with other people. And so he says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. How are we supposed to act of one mind? That's a great question, and thankfully, Peter continues on telling us how we should act. And he says this, 
sympathize with each other. Now, if you're taking notes, and I, I know you would take notes in university. I know you would take notes in class. So church is no exception. We're, and we're having church. You may call it chapel. It may be online right now, but we're still having church. The Bible says if two or three are gathered, that there he is in our midst. We're having church right now. So if you're taking notes, the Apostle Peter says to us, you should be of one mind. How do we act as one mind? How do we live as one mind with other people, with other believers? Yes, even the ones that are the biggest pain for you to deal with. How do we live as one mind, as one purpose, as one... The, the Greek word here is actually talking about the word harmony. It's harmonious. How do we live in harmony with one another? Well, he says, first of all, you've got to learn to sympathize with each other. And love each other. So number one, you got to sympathize with each other. Number two, you got to love each other as brothers and sisters. And how do you love? Let's, you know, let's just talk about this for a second. How do you love as a brother and sister? Well, a brotherly and a sisterly love in most scenarios transcends all the annoyances, all the frustrations. Yes, we live life together. You know, I have a sister and we got in like one fist fight when we were, when we were kids. Actually, it wasn't a fist fight. She hit me and I was like demoralized. I didn't know what happened, but that was like the one time. But like we, we would have like, we would argue, we would fuss at each other. But at the end of the day, your family. And so no matter how much that person annoys you, your love for that person, your brotherly love for that person overwhelms all of the annoyances and frustrations and causes you to walk in forgiveness and unity and come back to that person and say, I love you. I'm sorry. Let's still be friends. And they say, good, we have to be friends because we're family and you're stuck with me until one of us dies. And even then, you have all the memories of our entire life with, together. So he says, love each other as brothers and sisters. So to learn to be one mind, you have to sympathize with each other. You've got to love as brothers and sisters. You have to be tenderhearted. What is tenderhearted? Soft-hearted towards other people so that you can feel their emotions. You know, the Bible talks about how Jesus was touched with the feelings of people's infirmities, how he had compassion on them. How does that happen? It happens when we are tender-hearted towards other people. We're, we don't lock our heart up. We're, we're not so hard-hearted that when people are telling us their hurts and their wounds and their frustrations and their pains, that we just don't say, man, that's your problem. It feels terrible for you, but like I, my life's going amazing. I got great things happening in my life right now. So sorry for you. No, you got to be tender-hearted with people. Then he says, and keep, and this is a big one, keep a humble attitude. Keep a humble attitude. Humility will take you far in life. Pride will stop you short in your tracks. You may think that you're the man or you're the woman and you're going far in life and look at me, look at all these amazing things I've done. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. So yes, you may be the man, you may be the woman, you may be doing amazing things, but check yourself. Because it's humility that takes you to the places where God wants you to go. It's humility that causes you to empathize and sympathize with other people, to walk in brotherly love. It's, it's humility that keeps you tender-hearted. Because if you don't have humility, then you can't empathize and sympathize with other people because you say, that's your problem. I'm amazing. I don't have those problems. So he says, be humble. Then he says this in verse 9. He said, I... I want you to act these ways. These are the things that I want you to do. We've only got a few minutes left. Hang on with me. Don't tune out. He says, these are the things I want you to do. Here's a couple things I don't want you to do. 
He says, I don't want you to repay evil for evil, and I don't want you to retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. You know, isn't that super hard in life? Isn't it hard in life when, when somebody um, insults you? What is your first initial reaction? Oh man, you wanna come up with a zinger and you wanna let that person know that you are better than them, that you're smarter than them, that you have better insults, that they can't say that to you and get away with it. Um, when somebody does evil to you, your initial reaction is, I have to get that person back. I want to retaliate. I wanna show that person that I am a person too and they can't treat me this way. You know. I was thinking on the way in here, when I was in grade two, I went to um, Tyson Elementary in Chilliwack. It was an amazing school, and I had a, the best teacher named Mrs. Close. I also had, I think, the world's worst student in my class. His name was Ronnie, and he showed up at class every day, and he was like, he like had his hair, like, I don't have hair, I can't say much about hair, but his hair was like always uncombed and sticking out all over the place, and Ronnie was not a nice kid, like not nice. One day, they were doing some work at the school, and I think they were building a new portable outside the school. And this was, guys, I'm gonna tell you the truth. This was like early 80s, like 83, maybe 84, probably 84, 85, somewhere around there. And so they're building these portables, and me and my buddies, we're outside having a great time. We're just having some fun. It's lunchtime, and you know, when you're in grade two, you play all those weird games. I'm a pony, I'm flying my jet, you know, and you're pretending you're horses or animals or Jet fighter, you're just doing weird stuff because you're in grade two and you're a kid. So we're outside having some fun and all of a sudden we see these things like hitting the ground around us and like dirt flying. And we look and little Ronnie is over at this dirt pile chucking rocks at all of us. Who chucks rocks at people? You would never get away with that in 2022. We just don't live that way anymore. But guys, you know, for, for those of you who are alive right now and you're in university right now, the people that I'm talking to, let me tell you, the world was different in the 80s. Like, there, it was a different time. You could say and do anything and get away with it. And so here's Ronnie chucking rocks at us. And my first reaction, you know, I felt like David and Goliath because Ronnie was like this big bully. I picked up a rock. And guys, I just want to tell you before I finish the story that I, I notoriously do not have good aim. Like, I can throw a ball, but it doesn't always go where I want it to go, even in grade two. And so Ronnie's chucking stuff, and he's on the other side of this dirt pile. And I run, and I jump with my friends behind this other dirt pile, and I pick up a rock, a, a clump of dirt, and it's got a rock in it. And I pick it up, and I chuck it. And I tell you, I tell you the truth, it flies across the air like in slow motion and smacks poor Ronnie right in the middle of his forehead. <laughs> I had never been both so proud and so terrified at the same time. I was proud because I just shut this kid up and I actually hit something and I was terrified because I just hit this kid with the rock and I knew how much trouble I was going to be in. Listen, isn't that our natural reaction? When people do evil towards us, we want to retaliate. We want to do bad things back to them. We want to say, it's not fair that you get to treat me this way, so I'm going to treat you this way as well to show you how wrong it is that you treat me like that. The Apostle Peter is saying to us here, he's saying we should be of one mind. And to be of one mind, listen, in my last few moments, to be of one mind, we have to sympathize. We have to love everybody we come into contact with as brothers and sisters. We've got to be tenderhearted. And you must, you must, you must.
Walk in humility. Then he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. You know, think about Jesus. When Jesus was led in the last, the last few days before the cross, or I guess the last night before he went to the cross, he was led in before Pontius Pilate. And they brought these accusations and those people everywhere. And, and they said, are you the son of God? And he said, you said it. I am the son of God. And, and uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were all in the temple, that were all there in that moment, they began shouting and, and saying things about Jesus and accusations and saying all these terrible things. And Matthew tells us that Jesus just stood there while they shouted and said all these things. He didn't retaliate. He didn't feel like he had to uh, vindicate himself and say, no, that's not true. You got that story wrong. That's not what really happened. He just stood there and listened. And that's what he's saying here as well. He says, don't insult with insult. Pay them back with a blessing. That's what God's called you to do. And he will bless you for it. And then he goes on, he says here, and he begins to quote Psalm chapter 34. He says, if you want to enjoy life, and see many happy days. And I, I don't know about you guys, I'm assuming this is true for you as well, but I know that I do, and I know that, that Jen does, and I know that our kids, we want to see, we want to enjoy life, and we want to see many happy days. I don't want to have a crappy life. I don't, I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe that's your goal in life. Maybe you just want to be miserable all the time and just walk around like Eeyore. Maybe that's your goal. I don't think that's most people's goal, and I know for sure it's not my goal. I want to enjoy life, and I want to see many happy days here now on earth not just when I get to heaven right now and he says if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days this is what the psalmist said he says well keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies he says turn away from evil and do good search for peace and work to maintain it the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Guys, I want to tell you, I want to tell you this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're watching this, I want to remind you that we are called, whoever you're dealing with, whatever you're walking through, whatever life looks like for you, we are called as believers to walk with one mind, in one accord. We're called to walk in harmony so that we can show the world that you and I have been called from darkness into light, and this is what the kingdom of light looks like. This is how the kingdom of light treats other people. This is what Jesus would do. You know, back in the 90s and early 2000s, you would see people wearing those WWJD bracelets, and like we're, we all kind of like think about them now, like, oh man, those things were so cheesy. But it is a fantastic question, and it is a question that should continually be in your hearts and in your minds. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus react? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus do right here, right now in this situation? I'm super frustrated. I'm super annoyed with this person. They're rubbing me the wrong way. How in Christ would I treat this person? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time together. God, I just thank you that your word has gone forward and it always brings life and healing. Father, I just pray and ask that, that these words that I've spoken, that you spoke through me today, find a home in someone's heart and bring revelation and insight and understanding. Jesus, we honor you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. 
Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium, or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at twu chapel. Until next time, much love.